Welcome to episode 58 of the Rapid Change Matters podcast, a conversation with the queen of future life progression, Anne Jersch. My name's Howard Cooper, and for over 14 years now, I've been fascinated with helping people to create personal change quickly. But I still come across many who believe that lasting personal change has to take a long time, consisting of reliving traumas or deep psychological analysis, or simply that flawed notion that understanding why you have a problem will somehow make it go away. I'm on a mission to get people who work therapeutically with others to shift their thinking and realize that these beliefs are not written in stone. Rapid change can happen. So, to help you open up to what's possible, I'm chatting with top therapists and agents of change who are out there getting real results with real people really quickly. Before we get to the interview, I've got big news. Rapid Change Works is now running live training events, and you can check out the latest events coming up by visiting rapidchange.works, where you can also download a free, quick-to-read PDF on five strategies to amplify your client's response, along with all the information about this episode and episodes still to come. Now, over to the interview. My guest today is no stranger to public appearances, with regular slots on the BBC and morning television. She's a best-selling author and an expert on future life progression, where she travels extensively, training people in this unusual area. With training schools now in 20 countries and counting, she has a large worldwide following, so it's a great pleasure to have her joining us today for this Rapid Change conversation. Welcome to the podcast, Anne Josh. Hello, really good to be here. It's absolutely fantastic to have you uh, and a great pleasure and fascinated to hear all about future life progression and um, really hoping we could jump straight in and you could tell us a little bit about um, who you are, what you do and really fascinated about your origin story, how you got started in all of this. Well, um, I started, well, in an my grandmother was a fortune teller, so I was always around mystical, mystical things and unusual things. And she was quite an amazing, amazing woman because she was quite outrageous woman. Actually, <laughs> she was an outrageous woman. She ran a pub, but she also was a fortune teller. And so I always kind of had that in my head that I wanted to. I was more interested in following something that, that where you can tap into something. I, I knew it worked. I think that's the thing. I knew it worked as a kid, but I didn't know how. So I, I started out basically as a fortune teller. Um, and as time went on, I got into hypnotherapy, which was mind-blowing. I, I tell you how I went for hypnotherapy. I was very young, and it wasn't so well-known going back all those years. And I got a job. Uh, I talked my way into this job, and I had to sit an exam where I had to do figure work. And if there's such a thing as dyslexia with figure work, I've got it. Um, because I can't add up, I can't process numbers. So I rung up this guy and he did hypnosis on me and it worked. So I knew it worked. It was quite funny, really, because I had faith in him because he had a goatee. I know it sounds daft, but it was 30 odd years ago and he had little goatees. You think, well, he's got to be good, hasn't he? And um, oh, he was an amazing guy. And he sat me in a deck chair and read a script. So by these days, that make a lot of therapists cringe. But he, I had faith in him and I went back and I, I wasn't brilliant at numbers, but he certainly improved things. But the reason why I went for the hypnotherapy was I wanted to do past life regression. And, and so I thought I better train in hypnotherapy. Then I wrote my own scripts. 
And I worked like that for 20, another 20 odd years. And then one day, spontaneously jumped into the future, saw the future and thought, I can do this. That's a potted history. <laughs> I, I, I love it. And I, I, it sounds so silly. But I love the fact that, um, you know, you had this little quip where you said he must have been good. He had a, he had a, a, a goatee beard. <laughs> Yeah, back then you just presumed he looked the part and he acted the part. Even though I was sitting in a proper deck chair, you know, a proper stripy deck chair, and you could hear him rattling the paper as he was reading a script, but it worked. You know, I mean, I I I noticed a big difference. I noticed a big difference. So, um, yeah, so that so I knew I knew hypnosis worked. I knew it did. It it worked for me. I, I'm really fascinated by this idea of the. The stereotypes, I mean, we joked about the, the goatee beard, but the stereotypes that, yeah. that the average person has around hypnotherapy or hypnotherapist or even mm-hmm. just therapist. And, you know, I, I suspect we could trace it back to, to Freud and the little cartoons yeah. of Freud in the chaise long, you know, stroking the goatee beard saying, well, you know, <laughs> we do free association. You know, what was the, did you ever dream of fish when you were 12? Um, <laughs> and things like that. Um but 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 obviously on the, the Rapid Change Matters podcast, I think there's a lot of people who still believe that change takes a long time, uh, that people mm. have to relive trauma and relive their past and and so on for there to be change. Are these things that we you would you would say are accurate, are, are fair, or have things moved on? Yeah, it's an interesting one because it's moved on massively. I remember, in, I think I was in my 20s and my life fell apart. I mean, everything in my life fell apart. You know, you can get to that point where you go, every bit of my life's shite, you know, and I, I need to. So I went and saw a counsellor and I thought maybe she can help me. And she just sat there and nodded at me and said, how do you feel this week? And she had this squeaky voice and then started telling me her problems. And so I, I met several people like that. Then I met Greta, who turned it, who ended up my spiritual teacher, the most remarkable person I've met in my life. She was feisty and she was strong. And she worked. I mean, I, I went to her once a fortnight for six months. But of course, we didn't have the techniques back then. You know, we didn't have the techniques. You don't need six months. I mean, if, if she was around today, she, she'd fix me, uh, you know, in no time. She just mm. would. But I think also she was almost like um, my spiritual teacher in a way, you know. But, yeah, I think that I, I think it's great that we don't need to go somebody once a fortnight for six months anymore. But back then, that's how it was done. But at the end of it, she said, oh, that's why you let people do that to you. And that's why. And I'd said, but has it got rid of it? And that's the crucial point. Has it got rid of it? And I thought, yeah, I know. Now I know after all these months of therapy, now I know why I let people like that in my life. But I don't feel I've changed it. And that was the difference. It wasn't changing anything, you know. So understanding it is not necessarily what's the point if you're not going to change it. So it was a long time before I started to change things. I, I think that's... Uh... It's so interesting, that idea and that difference between does understanding something necessarily mean that it will change? And I've had people who have said to me, well, you know, I I really I I feel like I need to have insight about this uh, to understand this for it to change. It's not my experience. Um, But do do you where, where do you think that idea comes from? Do you think there are therapists and change workers out there who are selling clients on that idea that framework that they have to have insight for something to change 
I, I think a lot of clients have that idea. I've had clients come to me and they go, but I want to know where it come from. I want to know the origin. Is it because my mum took my toy, whatever, away when I was six? So, so I think a lot of clients do. And it, I love the way Bandler would always, when you start telling him your story, he'll say, when I want you to stop talking, I'll put my hand up. So as soon as you start saying, yeah, when I was six, me mum, he puts his hand up in front of you and just says, and you have to stop talking. Right now, tell me what's going on internally. Tell me what 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 processes are going on with you. But I think I think the clients often believe they need that, and they're quite surprised because they're you know it. They're in their habit of telling their story. They've told their story to everybody they've ever met over and over and over again, and so they want to tell you their story. They don't understand that telling you their story is actually reinforcing it. It's actually making everything worse. And so I think, yeah, I think there probably is, is, there are probably some therapists that think you need to dig around and dig this stuff up. Um, but to me, the big breakthrough in therapy was Bandler. Um, just, just, you don't need, why relive it? You don't need to, let's just get rid of it. To me, that's the biggest breakthrough in therapy. And a couple of people online a couple of weeks ago going, oh, these stuffy old blokes and their old techniques they've been doing for 30 years. I, I maintain that they wouldn't be doing what they're doing today if Bandler hadn't made his breakthroughs. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I, I think the whole thing's kind of interesting. And, and this idea that I, I love this idea of stopping people, telling them that telling their story. Mm. Um, people think that they have to tell you their story. So that you understand the problem without realizing it's them telling you their story that is the problem. Mm, mm. Absolutely. I had a girl come to me and which came on one of my trainings and where everybody was supposed to say, uh, my name's son. So this is where I'm from. This is what I do. Like two sentences um, or two minutes of talking. She then sat there for ages. I had to stop her and just tell me. And then I had this other boss and he was horrible to me. Then I went to this other job. And the way I, I broke her state was to say to her, your next boss is going to be horrible to you. And she stopped in her tracks and she said, how do you know that? And I went, no, 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 I can guarantee your next boss will be horrible to you. Because every time you tell that story, you're going to attract that again. You, you're, this is your life. You're, going to get, you're definitely going to attract the problem again until you stop telling that story. So you've used the word attract that into your life. So I'm curious to ask you two things. One, what is future life progression? What is FLP? How do, how do you describe that to people? Um, and also, you mentioned the rapid fire round um, mm. that some people might jump to the conclusion that this is about the law of attraction. And it's not. So um, I'd love to find out more about, you know, where this distinction lies and how you frame all this. Yeah, it's interesting because with with the law of attraction, I mean, I, to me, I find it all a little bit lazy. People people think they can sit in their front room and just say, "Oh, universe, um, give give me a new house." And I've had a girl contact me. I want a big house and a million pounds, and it's all. And they think it's going to drop out the sky. So, and so, I, and, sorry, it doesn't. No, oh, unfortunately not. If <sighs> it did, I wouldn't be working fourteen hour days, would I? So. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be nice if it did but um no i mean people are good at kind of attracting small things like the electricity bills 136 pound therefore and all of a sudden they 136 pound but they're not so good at winning the five million are they so uh come and tell me about law of attraction when you win the big things or get the supersonic stuff so it's a lot of people presume future life progression is a bit like timeline or it's our wishes for the future but a lot 
a lot of what we see, we've got no concept of where it is, what it is, uh, until it happens. Um, What we do is we actually do tap into the future. There's a wealth of studies and information out there that you can tap into the future. Uh, From birth, we're taught that we can't see the future, but we actually can. Time's not linear. We don't know how it works, but there's conclusive evidence that we can tap into the future. Now, once you can tap into the future and I help you find, say if I take you forward five years, which I must do at some point, take you forward five years, you go, okay, this is where you are at five years. What do you wish you'd have done differently? What, 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 how would you have got to what you wanted quicker? What is big at that five years that you could be starting off in your current time? Then I get you to really feel it. And this is the crucial part. I build a very big anchor, a really strong anchor for anything brilliant in your future. Bring it back to your current consciousness and somehow, somewhere or other, it starts to happen sooner. It just it just starts to happen sooner. And when I talk about attract, I think, uh, am I talking about create? It, it, let me give you an example. Uh, one of the big, big names is self-help took me forward. I was experimenting in my early days and he took me forward. Um, I'd actually taken him forward. And he said, I can see you with a three book deal. You could imagine I'm, I was completely unknown. I had a big client base, but I'm just in a really awful little office in Slough just by the trading estate. I'm unknown. You know, people locally knew me, but I wasn't known um, in a big way. You don't get a three book deal. He said, you've got a three book deal. You're doing really well. So later he took me forward and said, you've got your first book in your hand. And I saw the title, Instant Intuition. I saw the title. He said, it's in your hand. What's it called? What does it look like? And I, I think we do start to attract once we've tapped into the future. But I don't like saying that because I think it makes people lazy. But a few weeks later, I went to a wedding. This chap come up to me and said, I've heard a lot about your work. Um, he said, do you think I'm an agent? Do you, you, you thinking of writing a book? And I said, I've started one. It's called Instant Intuition. I only had the title, so I was cringing a little bit, thinking, please don't ask me the rest of it. And he said, bring it to me. So I went back to the self-help guru and just said, help, he wants, he wants the, so he took me forward again, said, you've got your first book in your hand, you've seen the title, what's the first chapter, what's the second chapter? We go forward and download our future books. So to give you an example, several of my practitioners have done this with people, they've, uh, in fact, let me tell you who is, yeah, Natalie, Natalie Harper, she, Hegarty, she took somebody forward who'd been thinking about writing a book for years and years and years and she hadn't got round to it. What was it? Did she lack confidence? Wasn't sure how to go about it. Took her forward, put the book in her hand in the same way. She's gone and written that book now. And it's an important book because it's about domestic abuse. Hmm. So we jumping forward, I think it, that the difference is we really do see the future. But anything good, we bring it back to now. I love that because that's what got me because I'm not patient. I'm not patient. If you say to me, oh, in five years time, blah, blah, is going to happen. I'm going to come on i want it now i want it soon so that when things started to happen quickly that got me so so we're, we are slipping around in time basically so how different is it and I, i'm 
I mean, ultimately, I'm kind of tracing already where this question might might lead us and thinking maybe it's kind of irrelevant anyway, but I'd love to find out. There are processes that I've come across in the past where people will do processes where they kind of say, well, look, take a look at your current behaviors, everything you're doing currently, and let's move forward based on where you're currently at, your current behaviors. Let's see where it leads and where does that take you? Is that somewhere that's useful? And, you know, and there is some timeline uh, work uh, based around, you know, which, which essentially I imagine I've always thought of as coming from you know we we unconsciously know the things that we're doing currently so we can kind of extrapolate and build ahead um is that the the, the same principles of future life progression or no, this is no, something not, that's, that's, that's different yeah no it's different um i do actually say i give people a session where i take them forward from their as your current consciousness how you are right now this is how you'll be in five years time and they'll say, oh, I'm still in that house. Yeah. Or they might have made some progress. Yeah, I've got a bit of a promotion. But I, what I do is I take them to their most powerful future. What you need to see when you're talking about as you are now, what you need to do differently. You still you still got your current limitations, haven't you? You're still limited by yourself right now. So even if you say, oh, well, if you were different, what would be different? You're still thinking with the current limitations. I wish you off into the future where you've gone beyond those limitations so imagine that if i take you forward to your super super successful way beyond what you can imagine right now but you're there what's different about you how do you think differently how do you run things differently and uh, what i love is people actually sit different as soon as you talk to them they, their stance changes stance comes into it a lot stance changes how they think how they process it changes your entire energy and and have you had experiences where people go to the future and they find something that they don't like and they start freaking out? Well, oh no, this is this is my future. No, I haven't really had that. We because we don't really. I mean, obviously, if you were zooming ahead ten years, you could find out an auntie had got ill or somebody had had an accident or you'd lost your job or whatever. Um, but what we do is we find solutions. See, see, one of the things is with, with myself and my practitioners. We look for solutions. We don't just sit there and say, I, I would have no interest if it is you're a sitting duck. That's how it is in five years, Tom. Tough luck. I yeah. Oh, well, never mind, eh? <laughs> yeah, you're stuck. That's a shame. I, yeah, we just go, okay, ask your future self what they would have done differently. What could they have done differently? What regrets have they got? Straight away, answers come. Hmm. We, we've got so many options these days. We've got so many options. So if there's something there you don't like, change it. So it's not that it's necessarily the future, but it's a future. A future, yeah. Yeah, because at any one moment, you've got choices. Any one moment, you can go in a new direction. So, But what I believe is that we waste a lot of time. And a lot of people, due to not really believing in themselves, don't get to where they want to be. I, I would say 90% of therapists, I'm going to get shot for this, but 90% of therapists are not going to get to what they feel is having made it and they doubt themselves that it's just self-doubt uh, and they'll go and try they'll be a jack of all trades you know uh, rather than just finding their niche and really going for it if, if you've got total self-belief and you know what your niche is that's the difference we go and find your niche because what people do is they're not sure therefore they'll keep hedging their bets 
Mm. And, 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 you know, it's that thing where everybody says these days, oh, I'm adding to my toolbox with the 20, of course, in the last few months, you know, adding to stuff, but not actually focusing forward. So, yeah, you could you could go forward and really, really nail it and bring that energy back to now. And you will feel different when I bring you back. You will feel different. So why is it that you think, you know, uh, 90 odd percent of therapists lack lack self-belief? Where, why, where do you think th- those seeds are, of, of lack of self-belief are sown? Well, they're obviously not doing the right therapies. They need to come and see one of us and have some FLP. Then they'll get on track a bit more, won't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think most people have not been brought up to believe they can just go and do it. The other thing is it's it's to me one of the things when I'm teaching I I always say to people you know the most liberating thing that was ever said not to me personally but to the group at the end of the NLP training Richard Bandler said and I had the big manual and I'm thinking I didn't quite get that technique and I probably need to go and study all this and he said go out and make some mistakes as soon as he said that something lifted and by the next morning I was using what I did know on clients and picking up the other bits as I went along and I I think that's the thing you got I think the emphasis isn't enough on the work you're doing and the person in front of you that's the bit that's missing forget about yourself get people in front of you do amazing work just fully concentrate on them you'll do amazing work you'll be a brilliant therapist and people forget that they think they've got to learn more study more learn more techniques don't just put all your energy and focus on that person Mm -hmm. you don't need thousand different techniques just focus on that person that's the bit i find missing and i think if you focus totally on that person and do the best you can for them you'll be you'll be brilliant you'll get to where you want to be it will just happen then well for sure i mean evidence points to the fact that there's stuff that happens in the therapeutic room that goes beyond the technique because guess yeah. what haven't we all seen you know three different change workers all using in inverted commas the same technique yeah, they all get yeah. three different results, which means yeah. there's yeah. something more than just the the nuts and bolts of the step one, do this, step two, do that. Um, I, I I think it's it's interesting because on, on the rapid fire round, I asked you what's the worst advice currently being given out within the world of change work, and your response was, you know, that oh everything has to be done quickly, you know, this fifteen second fix, let let's sort them out. Um, and obviously that that's interesting to talk about on the rapid fire round uh, the rapid fire, mm. the rapid uh, the rapid change matters podcast um on the other hand i asked you can you think of a concept or an idea that you used to believe was true but you subsequently changed your mind about and you yeah. said yeah you know that you need 6 months of therapy so for that yeah. question you talked about kind of you know we things yeah. are taking yeah. too long so yeah it's it's uh, gone from one extreme yeah. to the other and I, I find what i'm what i'm getting at is the therapists are making it about them they're making it about them, not about the person in front of them. So there's a lot of boasting at the moment. Oh, I fixed somebody in three seconds. Oh, 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 only took 20 seconds to fix that person. It's a lot of ego. And it's all bringing it back to look what I've done. It's not about you. Um, it's about the client. And, and if it, sit and have, at least have a chat to the person. At least get, get to know them. At least focus on the person for a little while if the technique you do works very quickly but I'll be honest I've had several therapists do things on me which they've said oh that'll only take a few seconds or three minutes and it hasn't done anything it hasn't done 
anything at all. It's just like, oh, look up there, do that, press that, do, do, do. And it hasn't. It hasn't. Now, I'm a big fan of stuff that works quick. I mean, the great Roger Callahan with his tapping. Oh, my God, what an incredible man. I've used them techniques, but I think it's got to come out the people's ego of look how quick I can fix somebody and just go and do your job. Go and do your bloody mm. job. Go and sit and talk to the person and check. They're not checking this worked. I've had it happen to me. Oh, yeah, look up there. Press that. Do, 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 do. Right, you fix. And they walk off. They haven't come back and check that it's worked. And they should do. So I think it's gone from the Woody Allen. Oh, yeah, I've, I've been in therapy 20 years, but I think I'm nearly finished to the three seconds of, you know, flippant. I find it flippant. I find it flippant. So I think check that it has worked try a few more things and reinforce it a little bit get out your ego i i totally agree i think good follow-up is so 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 important and often really uh not used and i and i i sometimes think that people are just afraid of finding out or yeah. because they might ruin confirmation bias of oh yes it's always working um mm. and I, th I think i'd rather like to know quite frankly um mm. but i'm also curious around um this this idea, if we look at lack of self-belief of therapists, whether I, I sometimes think that there's been a rise of what I would refer to as imposter syndrome, this idea of feeling like, oh, I'm not uh, I'm not very good. I'm not out there. I shouldn't be able to put myself out there. Yeah. As we've seen a rise in social media, um, and mainly because mm. I, I think what happens is people compare their lowlights with, mm -hmm. other, with the highlights that everyone is putting out on social that media. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And as I say, there's a lot of people boasting they've done this amazing job on somebody. And then the people come to me and say, it didn't work. Can you fix me? So don't believe uh, don't believe all the hype you read out there. Well, yeah, but I, I think a lot of people don't believe in themselves. But I think it's not about internalizing. It's not about you. If you just go and do good work, you will do well in life. It doesn't matter what you do. I don't care if you're a chimney sweep. Get out there. Go and focus on the customer. Do some really good work. Put your energy and focus into that. You will do well. So I think, yes, I think you're right. I think a lot of people are reading the hype online and uh, and and comparing themselves. I think they are. I think that's a really valid point. Yeah. Because uh, let's be honest, you know, I see I see myself all day, every day. I, I get to see, you know, the stuff where you know, I'm struggling or I'm not quite sure. Whereas, you know, you read other people and you, oh wow, that guy, he's, you know, he, it looks as though he's doing, you know, only good stuff. Well, <coughs> I yeah. just think we need to get a bit more critical and have a little bit more insight and go, well, may maybe not, maybe not. Um, <coughs> and and how would you define rapid change? What's rapid for you? That, that's an interesting question. Well, I, I suppose the quickest one I've ever experienced, I was, I was actually at one of the NLP events and one of the people that was going to be on stage said, oh, well, we're going to bring out spiders and snakes later. Maybe, maybe you'll get up on stage. And I just said, whoa, there's no way I'm gonna, getting up there. And he said, you don't like spiders and snakes. I went, no, I've got every phobia going, but um, I'm not getting up on stage. And it actually held me back for 20 years. I, it made me feel physically ill to stand up in front of people. I mean, my mouth would go dry, my heart would be pounding. And uh, so he pulled over, he called over one of the assistants and said, uh, work on and get rid of that stage thing. And four minutes, four minutes. All she did was take out the churning feeling I had in my stomach, spin it the other way, bunged it back in four minutes. 
and it was about two weeks later, I gave a talk to 250 people for an hour and a half, filmed, didn't bat an eyelid. So to me, that is rapid change. But she made sure it worked. You know, that in that four minutes, she the, the energy of that girl, she was really concentrating and really putting passion into it. And I think if somebody's a bit flippant, I don't think they'd have the same result. But she put her focus. Four minutes, that's rapid change to me. It's incredible. I, I think you can change your life in a split second. I mean, we do it all the time with with FLP people after a session people come back and they go right I know exactly what I'm doing they walk different they sound different they've got a, a new belief because they've jumped beyond their current limitations we, we see it all the time yeah yeah I and, and it's I, I like that and just going back to this idea of you know you think pe- some sometimes if people are a little bit oh you know we, we, I'm going to do something it's going to change you in 15 seconds there's almost a flippancy to it do you there think, is a flippancy do, yeah. do you think these people these people uh, are obviously mentioning no names uh, at all, but are relying too much on creating placebo or expectation. I don't think they're even thinking that far ahead. I think they're just trying to. Um, I think it's an ego thing. A lot. It's the same sort of thing as when they do things that look more like magic tricks. Do you know what I mean? It's like they're they're doing silly magic mm. tricks and and uh, oh, I bet I can make you do that. You know, it's it's just getting to the point where it's more. Silly, silly, more silly than taking people seriously. You could have somebody, you have to remember there's some people come to you and they're on the edge. That's the one thing we never, they might not say that when they come in, but you can have somebody come to you and they say, look, I've got this problem, but deep inside they're on the edge, they're heartbroken, they're struggling. And I think we've got to take the, the client seriously. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's flippant. I think it's silly. I'm, I've seen, I mean, I went to Carl Smith's training kinetic shift they work quick they do work fast and that works great for certain things it's brilliant stuff but they really concentrate on the person in front of them they really put their energy in so yeah i think rapid change i do think there is rapid change but there's a point when don't be so focused on how quick it is focused on the job you're doing make make sure you do a good job that's what's important to me absolutely absolutely it's um it's funny because I, th- I think the there's a conversation to be had with, with lots of therapists and change workers around um, setting expectations and, dare I say, over-promising results. Um, mm-hmm. I had someone who inquired, and they actually they haven't come back to me, because uh, what she said was um, there's a, a hypnotherapist that had worked with a friend of hers mm. uh, for a similar issue that she's got. And subsequently, this hypnotherapist has gone abroad and now doesn't do it anymore. But apparently, she tells me this story. This hypnotherapist had said to her friend, I 100% can guarantee I will help you. I will I will fix you. And she said, I'll come and use you, Howard, if you can say that same thing to me. If you can hand on heart tell you to me, I can fix you. I'll come, I'll come and see you tomorrow. And I said to her, well, well, you can't say that. Yeah, you can't I, say I said to her, I, I can't say that. She said, well, how come he could? I said, well, listen. <laughs> but he's not working anymore. He, he's not working anymore. And plus, <laughs> you know, if his strategy was to say to everybody, I can 100% fix you, which I don't think people can legitimately or ethically claim, then guess what? There is going to be a percentage of people who, based on expectation and based on will respond well. That's mm. great. But I think the danger of that is it doesn't allow for it not working. So someone says, I'm really, as you said, they're on the edge. They're on the edge. They're feeling desperate. They hear this wonderful message of I can help you. Great. Listen, 
in a, in a percentage of times, if it does help, fantastic. But what about the people it didn't work with? My worry yeah. is, is that it doesn't leave any scope or any room for maneuverability. What they do is they end up going, yeah. well, I went to this guy. He said he could help me and I couldn't be helped. I'm even now, now I've just compounded this. And I've seen people who have come to me. I had a woman last week who said to me, listen, Howard, I saw, so I really don't think I can be helped. I said, well, why did you say that? She said, because I saw someone a few weeks ago who has a 100% success rate and they couldn't help me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, so, so what she's taken away from this is that she's even more screwed than she thought she was. And they're not 100% because they didn't yeah, fix her. That's cool. insane. Well, do you know, privately, I've spoke to some of the biggest, well, the biggest names in, in this industry, and they've all said, you get the odd person you can't fix. They have, every one of them has said that. There's certain people, they don't want to be fixed. They're contrary. They're going to be hard work. They're not going to try. There's some people you, or they might have mental health problems. There's some people you are not going to fix. Every single one of them has said that to me. Yeah. So it's not, it's not true. But the guy who's got 100% success rate, oh, how, how strange is that? He doesn't do it anymore. Why? Obviously. Yeah, probably a bit disappointed, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But she, she was flabbergasted. I mean, she hasn't got back in touch with me, you know, uh, because what she, I think what she wanted to hear was I 100% can, can fix you. And I'm not, I'm not going to be badgered into uh, to saying that. I, I think it's similar to when people say, do you give a money back guarantee? And I've just said to them, well, if I did that, I'm giving you an incentive for it not to work. Your brain's going to be thinking, oh, I could get my money back here. I, I mm. might blow this. Why are you going to go for it and really try or really be open and allow me to do my job? If at the back of your mind, and I, I usually say to them, I don't actually take people that ask that question because that you, you, you're not even focused properly. Yeah. You should be walking in here going, let's do some great work. Let's let's do something amazing. Well, also, doesn't doesn't it imply ludicrously that if you offered a money back guarantee, that you're you're almost suggesting that the client has no part to play in the process either? Absolutely, absolutely. It's, what it's a ludicrous weak. idea. Yeah, we both have to work at it. You get some people, and a woman, oh, it's probably going back 30 odd years, and she'd been everywhere to every client and had a row with them, every um, every therapist for miles, 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 and had a big row with everyone. And then they, we ended up arguing, and da da da. She just loved rowing with therapists, telling them they'd done a terrible job. So I don't want her as a client. I, I, I don't need that hassle because there's no way she would want it to be fixed. No way. She just loved rowing with people. Mm. So let's say you get an inquiry on the phone. Yeah. yeah. How do you set about framing what's going to happen? Uh, what what sessions will be like with you? What results they may expect? Um, that sort of initial conversation. How do you go about framing all that? Well, the thing is, most people that come for FLP have read read one of my books, read, heard a podcast. They've got a good idea of what they want and how it works. They might see me on YouTube or, or something or in a magazine. So that they usually come pretty much knowing what's going to happen. We don't. It's not one of those therapies where people are going to call up and not know about it. That's very, very rare uh, that, that, that they don't know what we do or understand it. Somebody they know has been. So, 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 yeah, so we don't really get that lot. But what I do is I say to them, I, you come and see me. We'll sit down. We'll have a chat. While we're chatting, I will get a click in my head and I will know which session you will need, what you'll need. I will know. And I do. I do. I've talked to people. 
Um, I'm very intuitive. I, I do an intuitive business session where I sit with people. We go right through their business and I get clicks in my head. I might see something. I might see a title of a book. So it's, the intuition kicks in with all of us. We, we're all we all uh, part of this is intuitive. But no, people know. People usually know a fair bit beforehand. With straightforward clinical hip hypnosis people show up and they've got all sorts of bizarre ideas in their head they think they're going to be in a coma and not know what's going on and all sorts of things so then you need to kind of explain it all a bit more but but i, I very rarely have to with what i do mm. so tell me that this this idea of you here you have a click in your head yeah, uh, I do. I've, I've interviewed a few people over the years uh since I've been doing this podcast and a few people have said, you know, that they have this kind of intuition. They, uh, a very, very nice lady, a very good therapist called Christine Black talks about she hears something different. It stands out for her. So mm, I'm, I'm, I'm curious for you. What is, what is that click? How would you define that click? And what is intuition for you? Well, intuition to me, I mean, uh, information's out there floating about on the ether. That's how telepathy works. I mean, you can pick up, a, I mean, telepathy has been over 2,000 studies. We know it works. Same with uh, the information's out there. It's just a matter of some people can tap into it and some can't. But I believe anybody can learn to tap into it. I usually find with therapists, they're usually intuitive. The most intuitive people I come across are often soldiers and policemen because they have that heightened, they have those heightened senses. I've never interviewed uh, anybody in one of the services yet that uh, where I say, was there a time you just knew? You don't know how. And they go, yeah, I knew there was something around that corner. But as soon as I was walking up to that corner, patrol that area every day, I knew somebody, something. Day. So it's a natural, to me, it's a natural thing. And if you just focus on the person with you again if you tap into them and really put all your energy into them you'll start to just know things I think it comes naturally to therapists I think most of them do it's whether they're brave enough or dismiss it if you just go with it and just say do you know what? I'm just getting a feeling that you know you're nervous or something or this is worrying you I don't know where I'm getting that from I might might be wrong they'll just go do you know you're right you know and then it, then it, you start to get more so intuition to me is really natural primitive it's, to me it's a primitive throwback that we all have can people learn to be more intuitive yeah i teach it all the time you know i, I i'm in fact I'm, I'm working on a number of techniques where i work out the processing of intuition so it, it's, it's like right now if you think of a time when property is a good one we usually we're looking at property and we have our little criteria don't we oh the kitchen has to be this size and blah 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 and it must have a garden and da, da, da. have you been listening and, to my conversation with my wife <laughs> you do you just have your criteria but when you when the, you go to the place that's yours and you know it you, you don't measure up you just go no that's our home that's our place and you know it you absolutely know it so um and what i do is i get people when you've made a big mistake what was the processes you went through and often people go do you know what i was a bit nervous of that i was a bit something was holding me back a little bit but logically i went with it and when it's been right they go oh i just knew it i just and there's something in us hesitation is one of the biggest ones for me something's coming up if i keep hesitating it's telling me not to do it hmm just basic we think it's going to be some big dramatic thing but often it is just that why am i holding back here why am i holding back so that's intuition it, 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 you know you listen to any of the greats and um, any of the biggest most successful people in the world they talk about um intuition so it's interesting because on the one hand 
you've got this idea of, of learning to kind of trust the feelings that you have about things. Yeah. yeah. And then on the other hand, is there not an argument to say that there may be people out there who are suffering from anxiety and worry yeah. and they're, you know, they're looking at the, they're looking at the, the spider that's really small, tiny on the wall. Yeah. And their gut is saying that thing's deadly. That could. Yeah. So where's the line between, you know, paying attention to intuition and using it well and paying yeah. it and the difference between, you know, having anxiety about something and going, oh, shit, anxiety. this is a sign. Anxiety will feel different if you study and break it down. So I break it down with people. Anxiety with the spider will feel different from, no, I better not go and buy that car. It will feel, it will be processed different. And yes, buy that car will again be processed different. And once you understand, if I was to break it down with somebody, the spider phobia, I could tell you exactly all the submodalities. I could actually break that right down. Uh, but the no is going to be different. And this is, this is it. I break every, every part of it down. I find out exactly how they process different things. So in terms of the actual internal representation, yeah, yeah. Of the strategy they use for whether it's anxiety or something that's intuitive based, there is a difference that they could oh, learn to, to hone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm writing this up for my new book, by the I way. Yeah, like absolutely. It. Um, yeah, it, and it, it's a dramatic difference. And once people know the difference, but on a basic level, think of a time when things went really wrong for you. Just think of it. Think of a time when it really wrong went wrong. Where do you feel that in your body? Hmm. Notice where you feel it. And is it a squidgy feeling? Is it a hard feeling? Is it hot? Is it cold? How does it feel to you? Okay, that's your bad feeling. Now think of a time you did something like interviewing me that went really well. I'm teasing. Uh, think no, of it time. is. It's going well. <laughs> <laughs> think of a time things, where do you feel that? Hmm. What's the difference? How does it feel? Is it warm? Has it got a colour? And you find the difference. And once you know... The, the one that's the one that where it didn't go well stop you've only got to get a slither of that and that's your little warning yeah. this is what i call the psychic antennae that's just your little warning that's your warning so the next time you're you're thinking i'm going to move and you look at house you have a slight that feeling you just go whoa i've just had my warning feeling and then uh you look at another house and you get that good feeling that you just had you'll just be saying somehow that's my yes. George Soros is probably, whether you like him or not, it's a different issue, but he's probably one of the world's greatest financiers. And he actually says, if I'm about to do a deal, sign a contract, if it's not right, I get a physical pain in my body. He said, and whenever I get that physical pain in my body, it's a warning. This is a mathematical man. This is a mathematical genius. And he actually listens to that. And he said, I always stop, check, and I always find something. He said, I wish I could get it down to a fine art and it'd be a pain in my big toe saying, be careful of commodities this week. He said, I haven't got it done, but if I get that pain over and over again, people have those. Uh, Donald Trump, I'm reading one of his books at the moment. As a, Again, if you love him or hate him, but he's very good at deals and he's a good businessman. And he said, I, I, tr I feel it in my gut and then I run it through my head. You know, they do the body process. Now, Branson said, I trust my gut. I do the deal. Then I talk to my accountants. So the people at the top are significantly using their intuition more than lower down. There has been studies that have spanned 10 years. 
conclusively prove this. People at the top use their gut feeling, their intuition, that that warm, oh, I get a warm feeling when it's right, you know, or I get, I get that, oh, hesitation or that something, it's almost like putting the brakes on or whatever the feeling is for you personally. So you need to find your own personal processing. Mm-hmm. Is there not, uh, could people not misinterpret some of this with, oh, well, I have to do stuff that, that I'm in my comfort zone for? They're worrying that they're not pushing themselves out of their comfort zone because every time I, I do it, I get this this feeling of hesitation. And well, yeah, but again, that would be a different process. Different, yeah, yeah, that would be a different process. And and what you would do is, I, you can also get people talk to the feeling. What is it telling you? Talk to it. Talk to that. Talk to it. Mm. Okay, I've got this tight feeling in my stomach. Okay, talk to it. What's it telling you? Talk to your stomach. Does that sound mad? Talk to your stomach. What's it telling you? And people, you get the answers. And I guess there's a difference between having, you know, some nerves around something that actually ultimately is a good thing to do and, mm. and hesitation around something that's not a good thing to do. Hesitation is a big one for me. Yeah. If I find myself has, imagine you, you're going out to a restaurant with friends and we have to say, well, we're going to Luigi's. It's always good at Luigi's, always good. But you just say, for no apparent reason, I don't fancy Luigi's tonight. No, no real reason for it. You love the food. You go there, they didn't have enough staff, um, it's a big noisy table. When you left, what what are you going to say? You're going to say, oh, I knew I shouldn't have gone there. How did you know? Something was warning you beforehand. Something was giving you that little niggle beforehand. Mm. And that is it. It's, to me, I've written a couple of articles called The Niggle, and it's just this little niggle. And we, we dismiss it very, very often. And if we stop, just go, okay, let me listen to this. It will give us some great guidance. And are there any ideas that you could share with people if they're listening going, I'd love to, to develop my intuition? You know, mm-hmm. obviously you're, you're writing about this, you're creating processes, but anything you could share with our listeners that's a good place to start in terms of developing and increasing that? Well, I hate to say it, but get my book, Instant Intuition. It's absolutely packed with techniques. And uh, follow me. I, I mean, I, I do a newsletter every month where I always put in a technique. I always put in something. It might be self-help. It might be just to make you stronger and it might be intuition. But, yeah, make sure you get my newsletters. And it's intuition. But, but it is stop and think. Stop and say, what what am I really feeling here? What what am I feeling? And if it's – I had business women come to me. I get more business people than anything else come to me. And she said, this deals – turn to crap basically turn to crap everything's gone wrong i'm losing my biggest contract and i just don't feel worried she said what's wrong with me and i said maybe maybe they've gone to somebody else it's going to fall through which is exactly what happened she knew not to worry and one of the biggest names in self-help has always said if Anne's not worried i'm not worried if I'm looking at his stuff, tapping into it, if Anne's not worried, I'm not worried. But you can do that yourself. You'll mm. just find, yeah, I've just taken it in my stride. I, I just know it'll turn out. I don't know how I know, but I know it'll turn out okay. That, that That's so cool. Well, listen, given that this is the Rapid Change Matters podcast, uh, I always ask people to share one or two uh, case studies of people that you work with where, you know, change has happened in a more transformative, quicker, more rapid way than mm. the Freudian model of 500 to 600 hours of therapy. <laughs> would you would you be willing to share something with us? Yeah, lots. I mean, um, I'll, I'll give you an example of two of my practitioners. There's uh, Wendy and there's Eileen, and they both... Um, 
on the training, hadn't done anything like it at all. I've taken them into the future as a demonstration. Uh, Wendy particularly saw herself on stage. She'd written a book, she saw herself on television. And after she just said, look, that's silly. I've got an office job. I've never done, I'm, I only come along out of interest. And it was just a few months later, she's invited to speak at big events. She's been on television. She's now written two books. So um, that's Wendy Fry. It's, it, it, we, have, we do it all the time. This is the thing. We constantly um, have massive change very, very quickly. One of the ones I did, I, I work for a lot of people in L.A. I go forward for them and I'll see their future movies. Imagine that. You, if you're going to write a book, most of we go forward and look at your future book. We, we just do it so much. Some of my clients have gone forward and met, seen their future partner. I'm going, oh, look, wow, look, at, I'm now married to this amazing person. A few months later, that person's walked in a room and they're there and they think, that's the girl or the guy I'm going to marry. This has happened a lot. They're, 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 that's the person I'm going to marry. And well, what do I do now? Should I go and talk to them? Should I just wait? And things take their natural course. Uh, we do have a little rule, by the way, that um, if through FLP you see your future partner and meet them, you do have to invite us to the wedding. That's just a, a little rule we have, you know, which I think is fair. But we do, we do it all the time. We constantly, I mean, Yvonne, an island took took a couple took a chap forward. Him and his wife were thinking of adopting, but he was really really wary. Took him forward, and he saw himself with this gorgeous little baby boy, really really happy, and it just changed how he felt about the whole situation. They've now had the gorgeous little baby boy for a year, and they couldn't be happier. We're just constant. We could do it all the time. Uh, go, I go into companies. What's your next big product? What do, you, what do you need to be training your people in? Who's going to be the movers and shakers in your future? I'll do it. We just do it all the time. I could keep you for hours telling you stories. <laughs> it's fantastic. So you've, you've already mentioned one book, by the way, on the rapid fire round um, mm. uh, as, a, as a good recommended read. And it was the one by, what was his name? Stuart, Stuart Wilde. Wilde. Yeah. Affirmations. Make your life an affirmation of what you want it to be. So it's not some wishy-washy mm. sit in the corner saying, I am lucky. It's not like that. Stuart Wilde. Um, unfortunately, I never got to meet him, and he was, he was my favourite teacher by far. Um, he, the things people are talking about now, he talked about 30 years ago, and he said it better. Mm. Um, and make your life an affirmation of what you want it to be. And a very strong character. He's very outspoken, quite outrageous at times, you know, but but he, I like that. I like people that are quite strong, get out there, get on with it. Or, or, or any mentor I have is quite dynamic i like dynamic people but but his his understanding of energy how to believe one of the things he said that i'll, I'll share with you that i've really thought made a lot of sense uh, when you talk about therapists or any business he says you've got this couple and they make great pizza and open a pizza parlor and it goes really well they're, they're selling loads of pizzas they open 15 but on some level they're not ready energetically they're not ready and they lose everything. The whole lot collapses because they're not, they deep down, they can't, you've got to be able to feel it and see it is what he said. You know, you've got to be able to live it. You've got to be able to believe it. So even if you've got no money, go and sit somewhere like the Savoy and have one cup of coffee, have, polish your shoes, even if they're old. You know, he said, you've got to live, live this way. And Trump says very much a similar thing. You've got to live, live Aristotle, Onassis. They all kind of had that thing where they would say, You've got to live it. You've got to live as if you've already, as if you're already there. 
and it just makes so much sense to me. So, uh, the Affirmations, yeah, it's, it's my favourite book of all time. Fantastic. Have you got any other uh, book recommendations? Two or three that uh, uh, a couple of others that, that our listeners could could get their teeth into. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I read about at least five books a month. I, I read constantly. I, there's so many amazing books out there. But I mean, if you could see my office, I've got piles of books everywhere and at home and in the downstairs office. The book that's affected me the most in recent years is The One Thing. The One Thing. Uh, a guy on Twitter contacted me and he gave me a list of hundreds and hundreds of books, all business self-help. And he said, pick the one you like you like the most. And I said, well... I can't pick one. There's so many iconic books. And he said, no, pick one. And, and in the end, he let me pick three. And I said, for you. And he said the one thing. And it, it, we have too much choice these days. We got too, we're jumping around from one thing to the other, me especially. I'm all over the place. got 10 different things on the go. It brings you back to your main thing that you need to be doing. It, it's, to me, it's one of the best books you can uh, lay your hands on. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I think. Um, another book I, I think is... People don't, I've not necessarily bought it because I don't realize how good it is, but Paul McKenna, I Can Make You Rich, I think is his best book personally. And it's not about getting rich necessarily. The first part of the book goes deep into um, what you believe about yourself, what you believe you deserve. There's hundreds of books out there. I've probably bought all of them because mm. uh, I come from a poor background. So I've, it's something I have had to work on. But that book gets to things other books don't and then the second half is all building you up uh, lots and lots of techniques i think that is his best book personally i, I just think it's an amazing book um i still like Gi awaken the giant within i'm not a big tony robbins fan but i do like awaken the giant within uh i, lo I love that he starts off with he's flying in his helicopter over this huge building and he says to the co-pilot i used to be the janitor there you know I, I love that i like people that are a bit sassy and a bit larger than life so that that's a, a, a wonderful book anything by bandler's good um i like michael neal's work i find him tremendous mikey neal's a, a, a lovely person as well mm -hmm. roger callahan tapping the healer within that that really created massive change i love that book um that, that, that book blew me away and I, I was working with clients that I've been trying to get a result with and been struggling all of a sudden, boof, they're, they're different. So, yeah, I suppose they're, they're the books I would I would push somebody to read. Very, very, very cool and some, some great recommendations there. Absolutely. Um, and if uh, people want to get hold of you um, and find out more, where can they go? How can they get in touch? Yeah, go to com, but obviously you need to know how to spell that. So it's A-N-N-E-J-I-R-S-C-H dot com, um, com, or find me on Facebook. I'm, I'm very active on Facebook because I'm very social, so I love chatting to people. And, you know, we have a, we have a lot of fun fun on Facebook. So find me there as well because I love hearing from people. Um and, and we share stuff. I share a lot of other people's things. Pe people are quite surprised, but somebody's putting on something brilliant. I'll share it. Let's, let's, that's, that's, what, that's the energy we're in today is more share everybody. It's not about, it's like with FLP, we're, we're like a community and there's people in FLP that have got talents that I definitely haven't got. I definitely haven't got. So I think it's all about, that, you know, share information, help each other. It's not about... Uh, Oh, look at this one key person. Let, let's let's make it a bit of a community. So, yeah, find me on Facebook because I'm connected to some amazing people there. 
Fantastic. Fantastic. And we will put all of the links under your episode. So it's nice and easy for people to find all of your links and get in touch. Um, the, the final question I have, Anne, and it's one that I, I often finish with, um, but no pressure, although most people come out with some amazing stuff at this moment. <laughs> Is, this is scary. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, if we can, uh, if, if I can have the sound producer add on some uh, some drum roll, please. No, no, he's not there. He's not even there. I don't even have a sound producer. Can you believe that? And um, no. now the the question is this: and uh, when we talked about you coming on the Rapid Change Matters podcast, is there anything that you thought would come up that you'd like to share with listeners, but that I just haven't asked directly? Oh wow, I wasn't expecting that one. Um. Yeah, you haven't asked about my training. So I do the best FLP training. Uh, so, yeah, you, you haven't asked about my training. Um, most people do. So we've got I've got brilliant trainers in different countries. But the, the thing is, uh, when people come on the three day training, they're different when they walk away. They're different. Apart from having the skill, they're different. So that's the thing that's normally asked. And when are you next doing your, your, if people want to find out more, is that all on your website as well, the, the, the trainings that you're doing? Yeah, yeah. Well, I usually tell people through newsletters and Facebook as well, but um, I'll probably do one around October. I'm waiting for my travel dates because I'm teaching a lot in Norway at the moment. Mm -hmm. I'll probably be going back to the Middle East. I've got, I'm just waiting for my travel, but around around October, I'll probably part of the training. Yvonne's got one coming up quite soon in Ireland. There's some coming up in France. We've got some good trainers in other countries, South Africa. We've got one coming up. So some of the, I've got brilliant trainers. They are very slick in their own right they're very they're very successful in their own right not just through flp so so yeah get in touch with me if you're interested because we've got a number of trainings coming up worldwide fantastic and i love the fact that you know this sounds like it's not these are not just trainings where you know you end up with some some techniques some different approaches but actually you get some changes yourself and i think there are oh, a lot of courses true. out there where you know uh, they go oh it was fantastic and you go well it, you know has anything changed for you? And they go, well, no, but I, I, it was fantastic. You know, are you going to do anything differently? Well, no, but it was fantastic. You know, I think it's good when there are trains where really there's stuff that you can take, changes for yourself, changes that you're going to impart and, and use. Sounds great. I think one of the biggest things I noticed when I did the NLP training all those years ago, one of the assistants said she noticed more change six months down the road than at the time, because it's very easy to go to the happy, clappy, get all fired up and excited and you go back up. People have said to me, and I hate to say it, it's Tony Robbins, they've said, oh, I have to keep going back to get boosted up again. With NLP, you go, you walk. I, my life changed when I did that. So mm. I love it when you do get the real big change. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's, that that's 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 it when you actually and on flp we have incredible change happen fantastic it's, it's great to hear and it's been absolutely fantastic having you on and, and chatting about thank all you. of this stuff and uh i hope our listeners have enjoyed it as much as i have brilliant thank you very much very kind of you i hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did why not share it with anyone you think might be interested and even head over to itunes to give us a glowing review You'll find more about what's coming up on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash rapid change matters hyphen podcast. And of course, you'll find all the links related to this episode, plus those upcoming live events that will help you hone those change work skills.